from the Sammamish Independent, I'm Julia Gudis, your host, and you're listening to Indie On Air. It's Monday, June 19th, and this week, I'm joined by Aditi Elkinshwar to discuss how global climate change affects us right here in Sammamish and what we can do about it. The recent extreme heat wave in June strained our community and left the majority of homes unbearable. Local lakes were overcrowded to the brim and some communities lost power when they needed air conditioning. We wanted to understand what the city of Sammamish is doing to combat climate change and what are some of the best practices we can take from other cities. Stay with us. After that record heat wave in June, I'm so relieved that the recent temperatures have been hovering in the 70s and 80s. The heat wave a few weeks ago was a killer. I never thought we'd experience that type of heat here in Washington. Increasing temperatures are not just about our personal comfort. From 90 to 105 degrees, you can experience heat exhaustion and cramps. But starting at 105 degrees, heat exhaustion becomes a lot more likely. Temperatures were up as high as 112 in our area. We are just not prepared. A large portion of homes in Sammamish don't have air conditioning. In Oregon and Washington, nearly 200 people died. This heat wave would have been nearly impossible even decades ago. But scientists have concluded that climate change played a huge factor in the intensity of this heat wave, which obliterated Seattle's record temperature by five degrees. Climate change will make such heat waves more frequent in the future. Of course, that is going to impact our generation the most. So we wanted to explore what cities like Sammamish are doing to combat climate change. It's such a global problem, but solving these global problems often start at the local level. Our first guest is Jay Arnold, the deputy mayor of Kirkland, who is leading sustainability efforts in his city. Jay, welcome to Indian Air. Let's start with the big picture. Overall in the U.S., do you think cities are taking climate change seriously and acting to mitigate it? It was becoming a priority for many cities until the pandemic hit last year. Then cities had a real challenge with financial impacts and their ability to even just provide services. Many cities had layoffs. Murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, the conversation was dominated by police accountability, alternative models for first responders, and equity and social justice. Um, we also had emergency responses to wildfire smoke last summer and in the heat dome this summer. So looking at all those things, how does climate policy fit into all those priorities? It's been something cities have been struggling with. But with revenue recovering, with support directly coming to cities through the American Rescue Plan and the discussion around infrastructure that's happening with the American Jobs Plan, Leading cities are discovering that the issues and solutions are interrelated. We will only solve climate issues by investing in equity. And given the broader understanding of climate impacts, things that are happening directly on our health and well-being, we're hearing interest from the community to do more and move faster. What are the easy things that cities can do for climate action? Are there actions that have a huge impact, but are also very difficult to implement? 
Yes, uh, some of the easy things that cities can do first, uh, join and be active in the King County Cities Climate Collaboration, K4C. K4C provides resources, uh, staff support that our individual cities couldn't do around climate ourselves, and also helps provide a shared voice for change as we advocate at the state level for changes that we need. Cities also can lead in how they do their operations, purchasing 100% green electricity, shifting to electric vehicles, retrofitting buildings. They'll save money along the way. And in fact, cities have more flexibility for the funding that they have for these kind of capital projects than they do in operations that are funded through the general fund. So these are things that cities can do that are easy. The hard part are what we do towards the future. Uh, but this is where cities can have a real impact. Our region continues to grow. And while we're reducing our per capita emissions, we're not doing enough. So the emissions reductions that we're doing on a per capita basis are being swamped from growth, which hurts our progress. Carbon emissions come from the buildings we build and the transportation connecting cities and people to jobs and services. Cities are in a position to take the lead in what we do here with high performing buildings, supporting the decarbonization of our transportation system and embracing a transit focused growth strategy. For example, the city of Shoreline led the way in requiring green buildings, multifamily housing and affordability in their light rail station area planning. A study they did showed that a commuter using light rail from Shoreline commuting into Seattle, living in one of those high performing buildings would reduce their greenhouse gas footprint by 80%. Now you've talked about the Growth Management Act in this podcast. It's that GMA vision that we protect forest and farmland by growing up and not out that's part of the solution here. Our built environment needs to shift a green building connecting to transit. And by building housing attainable for our workforce in all of our cities, we'll grow in an equitable way and avoid the transportation impacts of drive till you qualify. Tell us about Kirkland's sustainability master plan. Is Kirkland using any strategies that are unique among cities throughout Washington? Well, we certainly looked at our sustainability master plan as something that that talked about not just the things that I've already mentioned around energy use, built environment and transportation, but also um, more broadly around how we do business in cities, uh, how we support our businesses in our community. Um, what do we do about materials? What do we do about parks? And some of the things that cities should be looking about that might not be part of a traditional climate um, action plan is what are they doing about um, recycling, composting, and diversion in, in waste reduction? That could have big impacts, and that's something that um, uh, Kirkland prides itself on, on, on at the residential level, uh, diverting 75% of our waste from, from landfills. We need to do better uh, multifamily and commercial, but that, that's certainly an area of impact. Our walk and bike infrastructure, which I've mentioned before, um, is, is something that really helps promote health in our communities, but also um, uh, alternatives and that last mile connection for, for, for transit. And then finally, parks, open space and trees. And, and we've seen uh, really the, the impacts with the heat dome on 
how that can even touch the Pacific Northwest. And, and the more that we are looking at open space and parks, pocket parks, as we go and grow our, our, our density and things like street trees to avoid the urban heat island effect will really have impact. You mentioned King County's K4C initiative, which is the county's collaboration with cities to tackle climate change. How good is the King County 2020 Strategic Climate Action Plan? Do you think it'll be effective? The Strategic Climate Action Plan is is really good. And part of why I really encourage um, all cities in, in King County to join K4C, and there's a couple of big ones that aren't, um, and a number of small ones that aren't, that, that, that really should, it is uh, things like the King County Strategic Climate Action Plan really provide some research and, and leadership in a way that we can't do on individual cities. Uh, that particular plan talks about um, a menu of things that can happen that cities can um, move forward with. It focuses on the impact to frontline communities and how we uh, can correct some of the environmental justice mistakes of the past as we um, move forward in climate. Whether it will be effective depends on the individual cities. King County actually only has authority over the built environment and the roads in the unincorporated areas. And they'll set the standards there for um, the places outside of cities, but it's gonna be the individual cities that make decisions there. Speaking with Jay gave me some hope that climate change doesn't have to be a runaway train wreck. A lot of credit goes to Kirkland for at least having a plan that includes emissions reduction targets. They're targeting 80% reduction from 2007 levels by 2050. After hearing about Kirkland, we wanted to see what Sammamish is doing to tackle climate change. So we invited City Council member Pam Stewart, who represents Sammamish in the county's K4C effort. Welcome to the show, Pam. Can you tell us about Sammamish's sustainability efforts? Do we even have a climate action plan? Um, so the county has some some pretty detailed plans, uh, some pretty aggressive plans. At this point in time, the city of Sammamish, as far as I can tell, hasn't implemented any plans that have a very specific goal around greenhouse gas reduction or other uh, climate change focuses. Um, we do have, uh, I think, one of, if not the strictest tree retention policy in the state, which is good. Um, trees are good. But that alone isn't going to, right, trees will, will do carbon sequestration, but they aren't going to really reduce our greenhouse gas emissions in a material way. I mean, even if we had 75% tree cover in the city, um, the only way that really reduces it is because you push all the people out. Um, but, you know, as long as we have this many people living in Sammamish, um, the trees aren't going to be enough. And, and we don't really have a plan where we've sat down and said, you know, here's how we're going to implement some um, public transit. Here's how we're going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from our buildings, right? Uh, as long as we have fossil fuels being pumped directly into our homes and being used that way, we're going to continue to churn out a lot of um, greenhouse gas emissions. And some of the actions that we should be taking where we've actually moved in the, in the opposite direction are things like reducing the number of, you know, maybe the size of people's driveways and garages or reducing the um, amount of um, uh, street frontage that a house has to eliminate 
you know, making it harder for people to park extra cars. So those are some of the actions that that the you know the environmentalists and the climate change folks will recommend that we do. And in fact, last year we actually just passed an ordinance that increases the amount of um, street frontage that a house has to have to ensure that you can park extra cars in front of your house. Um, so we're kind of moving in the the opposite direction. What have discussions around emission reductions and sustainability policies been like in the city council? So I have tried now for for four years unsuccessfully to get a climate action plan or an environmental master plan or a sustainability plan on the city's work plan. So typically we have, uh, you know, in January we'll have a retreat and we'll have a big discussion about priorities and really laying it out so that the staff knows what to build into their work plan and what to build into the budget. And it just has never been something that I've been able to get four votes to support putting it onto the work plan and really making it a priority. And I, I will say that, you know, one of the things it's easy to, to figure out in government is if it's a priority, follow the money. So if it's a priority, people will allocate budget to it. And if there's no budget allocated to it, I don't care what they say, it's not a priority. So people can give you a lot of lip service and they can tell you that they care, but if they haven't put a chunk of change behind it, it's not one of their priorities. Has Sammamish utilized King County's Climate Action Toolkit at all? Not yet. We have not utilized it at all. Now, the the good news is that I think the county is frustrated that cities aren't moving faster. And so the county is going to potentially start offering uh, some services, if you will, to do some of the measurements and work with the cities. Um, my fear, though, is that that will that will move us in the right direction, at least a little bit. But my fear is that they'll just do some minimal amount or it'll be more estimation and it won't be detailed enough because it's being done at the county level instead of from the individual jurisdictions. And there are jurisdictions that are doing that. So Mercer Island has done that. Uh, I know Kirkland is kind of the um, really the leader, I think, among the east side cities here. Uh, they've done a tremendous amount of work and are really doing great, um, great job with their sustainability master plan um, and doing those kinds of measurements. So I would say that the city of Sammamish has done nothing to date to take any measurements um, so that we even know, like, where should we start to focus um, our efforts? Ten years ago, the city of Sammamish put out a very early sustainability strategy document where it states that one of their three E's of sustainability is social equity. Has the city done anything to support sustainability that is inclusive, excessive, and equitable? Well, I can tell you some ideas of how the city could do it. Right now, the city isn't doing that. And I would argue that um, environmental or otherwise that we really don't have any policies towards equity at all. Um, and, and that really starts with land use and with the types of housing, right? So to truly be, uh, to truly strive for equity and inclusivity, you have to support different socioeconomic levels in your jurisdiction. And we don't do that right now. Um, most of our housing is single family housing. Most of our, when we talk about land use policies, the zoning is zoned for what we call R4 or higher, which means no more than four houses per acre 
So you can imagine that if four houses per acre is the most you can build on most of the property, you're only going to get large single family homes. And we know that the price of large single family homes in Sammamish is unattainable for the majority of people, not just in King County, but the majority of people, honestly, in the world. So we have, you know, the highest median income in the country in the city of Sammamish for a city our size. Um, and so most people can't afford to live here unless we make a conscious effort to create spaces for everyone. Um, and so when you think about environmental equity, um, anything we do around the environment, which I'm not saying we shouldn't do things, but anything we do around the environment is inherently going to be inequitable because it will make the environment better for the wealthiest people in the state. Um, those of us who live here, but it's not really going to do anything for others. While Kirkland brought me hope, we in Sammamish need to up our act. We'll be right back. Indie on Air is a podcast that complements the new digital newspaper, the Sammamish Independent, which provides community news that you can use right here in the city of Sammamish, Washington. The Sammamish Independent is brought to you by a team of students and community leaders who are passionate about keeping our neighbors informed of what's going on in our community. Check out the paper at SammamishIndependent.com. Welcome back. Before the break, we looked at two cities. Kirkland has a plan to tackle climate change and is a leading example of what cities can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and become more sustainable. In contrast, Sammamish currently does not seem to have a plan to tackle climate change other than planting more trees. In our research, we came across an online change.org petition started by an Eastlake High School student named Monik Goal. In January of this year, he created a petition to urge the city of Sammamish to adopt a sustainability master plan. We had a chance to speak with him. You know, I grew up in the 21st century. Climate change has always been here throughout my whole life. Um, and I guess one day I just decided, you know, I better do something about this. It's just sort of been this issue that's always there. And I had recently gotten interested in, you know, what's actually going on at the city level in Sammamish, because I had realized back in the winter that I don't actually know a whole lot about what happens at the city level. And, you know, the more I began to look into that, the more I began to realize that based off my experience with sustainability ambassadors in other cities, you know, there's a lot of cities in our area who are very environmentally focused. Like if you look at Kirkland, you look at Issaquah, they have a lot of things going on. They have a lot of uh, sustainability measures. Um, I believe Issaquah even has their own sustainability coordinator. Sammamish, it seemed to me, was a little behind in all of this. We don't really have uh, many, if any at all, um, initiatives really focused um, on the environment itself. So I thought, you know, Sammamish needs to have some sort of focus in sustainability, a long-term focus. So I got together with um, another student from Sustainability Ambassadors, uh, Rishi from Skyline. So he's the guy I mainly work with. So Rishi and I came together and we decided, you know, how do we um, make Sammamish focus on a long-term, you know, goals for sustainability? And we thought, looking at other cities, you know, why don't we make Sammamish adopt a sustainability master plan? And, you know, being students, uh, we decided that the best way for us to get attention for this and to hopefully reach the city showing that hey, we want this to be implemented is by just making an online petition. So we made that and it sort of uh, took off to the point where eventually our petition did catch the attention of the mayor after we posted it on social media. It's so empowering that students like Monet are willing to take action on issues that matter to them. We asked him what happened after his meeting with Mayor Karen Moran. 
Um, that I think that meeting was definitely a turning point for our process because we went in uh, with this idea of, okay, so we want the mayor to commit to this sustainability master fund. That is our one goal. That's what we went into the meeting with. Um, and through our meeting, we realized that, you know, while a sustainability master fund, it sounds like a good plan. It sounds like a, you know, very straightforward way to get um, things implemented at the city level, to get the city to focus on sustainability things talking to the mayor um, as well as some other uh, people at the city in later weeks and before that meeting uh, we realized that it might be best to focus on a specific initiative so we came out of that meeting with uh, two focuses instead of that sustainability master plan uh, the first one is having a uh, environmental advisory board a public volunteer-based environmental advisory board implemented at the city level because we thought you know while this isn't exactly a sustainability master plan for the city still that sort of long-term thing because once we actually create a public volunteer-based environmental advisory board at the city level, um, it sort of serves as an environmental check on the city, so they do have to maintain that long-term focus. And at the same time, you know, it's a pretty simple ordinance. It's just one ordinance that needs to be passed to create a sustainability um, board and environmental board instead of a sustainability master plan. The second thing we came out of the meeting with was um, a new focus on uh, a fire station renovation in Sammamish because we learned from the mayor that there's a fire station that's going to be renovated some point this year. Um, and so the mayor suggested to us that, you know, since we're interested in sustainability and getting things done, um, she suggested that, you know, we might want to get involved with that with that fire station renovation and see, you know, where can we implement sustainability improvements in that fire station renovation. That sounds like a small, like one-off detour, but the reason we're doing this is because um, the second major aspect of our sustainability master plan was building codes and you know how because that's a long-term thing if you can implement sustainability measures and building codes suddenly that applies to all new buildings all renovated city buildings so we thought you know if we start piloting some of these sustainability measures on a fire station that's already being renovated hopefully we can also implement these into the building codes in the future when i heard what manit said i thought the city seemed to punt on a sustainability plan proposal we asked him if he thought the same here's how he saw it I would say not necessarily. I know it can sound like that because, you know, we came in with this idea of sustainability master plan, but at the same time, um, you know, Rishi and I, we did definitely discuss this for a while. And I feel like if we had really thought the sustainability master plan was the best thing to go forward with, we definitely would have done so. Um, you know, there would have been nothing stopping us. We would have kept pressuring the city to do so. But we did realize, I think that, um, you know, with the uh, environmental advisory board, for example, uh, that sort of achieves the same goal while also having a more concrete outcome of, you know, we just have to pass an ordinance and get this done. So personally, um, after thinking about this for a bit and discussing it with um, other people like Pam Stewart at the city, we decided that, you know, I think this really was the best way to go forward. So I wouldn't say the mayor necessarily, you know, hunted our initial plans out the window, but uh, rather I think redirected our focus in a way that we found to be uh, more helpful than our initial plan. Manit sounded hopeful that the small steps he's taking with the city will lead to bigger things. He also said that the city is going through a staffing shortage, so they won't be able to get any of these small steps onto the council agenda until the fall. Only time will tell on whether this is a stalling tactic or whether these small steps will be taken by the current city council. But one thing is for sure. Without a sustainability master plan, Sammamish is already behind cities like Kirkland in addressing climate change. Here's what else you need to know this week. 
On July 22nd, the band Every Leaf will be performing at the Beaver Lake Park ball fields. The event is free but requires pre-registration, so register as soon as you can on the City of Sammamish website. On July 24th at 7pm, the Seattle Shakespeare Company will be presenting Shakespeare in the Park, which is free and open to the public. Go to the City of Sammamish website to register and enjoy the show. The Washington State Department of Commerce launched a new public-private partnership that provides loans to small businesses and nonprofits. If you are a part of a small business or nonprofit, go to smallbusinessflexfund.org to see if you're eligible to apply. Lastly, there has been double the amount of drownings at our lakes this summer, so we urge everyone to stay safe, especially since there are no lifeguards. This episode of Indie on Air was produced by Julia Gudis, Sarah Stoud, Mehek Sate, Adityel Kunchwar, and Lin Yang. Our theme music was created by Ben Allwright. Special thanks to Jay Arnold, Pam Stewart, and Monet Goal for taking the time to talk to us. And that's this week's episode of Indie on Air. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.